Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Thank you very much. Now I want to start tonight with a confession. I, Danny Bryant, have never mowed a lawn in my life. You see, my in-laws bought us a lawnmower as a wedding present, but I would have absolutely no clue where in the shed our lawnmower is stored, how to get it out of the shed, or how to even get it started. You know, as a kid, my dad tried to encourage my sisters and I to learn how to mow the lawn. But the thing was, there was no dollar coin of uh, pocket money bribery that was going to be enough to get me out of the sun and out in the sun and cutting the grass. You see, I've never mowed a lawn and I probably never will. When Richo and I got married, we kind of divvied up the list of chores. You know, cooking landed on my list and thankfully mowing the lawn landed on his because it was something that I really didn't want to have to do. I understand the basics of looking after a lawn. You know, you need to water it, you need to tend to it and mow it regularly, but the truth is I've never done any of those things. But I'm really good at letting Richo know when it does need to be done. (laughs) You see, when I step outside our front door and I notice that the lawn, uh, it looks like we live on a farm because the lawn has turned to hay, I make sure I let him know that he needs to do something about it. But since our landlord is in the room tonight, I did want to let you know that at the moment, the lawn looks great. (laughs) Now, I catch myself often driving down the road, looking at everyone else's lawns, wondering how they get their grass to look so green. You know, I try and convince myself that they've probably employed a full-time lawn specialist, if that's even a job, or that they probably don't work full-time, and so they've got this time during the day to tend to their lawn. But the truth is they probably just care a little bit more about their grass than we do. You see, Richo does do a good job looking after our lawn, but it's probably not our top priority. It's not the thing we spend all of our time on, yet I find myself constantly looking at everyone else's grass, wondering how they get it so green. You know that saying, the grass is always greener on the other side? You see, in our street, the grass is greener on the right-hand side, the left-hand side, and the other side of the road too. But it's not just our actual grass that I find myself saying that phrase with in life. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side is a comparison trap that I have found myself caught in many times before. And this comparison trap has only seemed to expand the void of discontentment within me. Some people believe that discontentment has never been a bigger problem in the world than it is today. As a society, we have so much, yet we want so much more. And I believe that one of the biggest forces, driving forces of discontentment is social media. The world of social media does not fill the void of discontentment, it actually makes it bigger. And if discontentment means always wanting more, then I believe social media is only fueling that fire. Now, I don't know about you, but often during the day, I'll hop on my phone and I'll do the kind of, you know, afternoon scroll, and I'll see images on Instagram and they'll kind of spur up this discontentment within me. You know, maybe you've scrolled through Instagram and you've seen a picture like this and you've thought to yourself, (laughs) you've thought to yourself, wow, if only I could run like uh, Andrew Serkin. 
You know, we hear about it every week that he's run a marathon, that he runs, blah, 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 park run. (laughs) But maybe you find yourself thinking, if only I could run or if only I had the energy to do that, maybe then it'd all be good. Maybe then I will have made it. Maybe then I would be feeling content. You know, you keep on scrolling and you come across this image of a grace table that our kids and youth pastor at Redlands has put together and you find yourself thinking, wow, if only I could cater for an event like that. You know, maybe you struggle to kind of put the Chinese takeaway on the table when you've got people over and you see a picture like that and you think, wow, if only I could do that, maybe then I'd feel content. Maybe then I'd be good enough. And you keep on scrolling and you find Mark Dean's Instagram profile. Let's be honest, ultimate ghoster. But you see Mark Dean's profile and you think to yourself, wow, if only I had the self-control Mark does to not ever post on Instagram ever. And he's got 137 followers. You know, maybe you're thinking, if only I had the self-control not to post, maybe then I wouldn't be so consumed and life would be okay. And you get back onto your feed and you keep on scrolling and you come across this photo of our senior pastor, Jason Ellsmore's brand new Instagram account. Give him a follow. But you see this picture and you think to yourself, wow, if only I could write a book. If only I could have put that many words on a page, maybe then I will have made it. Maybe then my life would be content. You know, you keep on scrolling and you come across this photo. <laughs> of our worship and creative director at Ormo, James Bignall's fashion. And you think to yourself, wow, if only I could dress like James Bignall, maybe then I'd be cool. Maybe then I would have made it. Maybe then I'd have a whole lot of friends. And you keep on scrolling and you keep on scrolling. And trust me, I had to scroll a long way for this one. But you can't cross this photo of our... Yeah. You come across this photo of our youth pastor, Ben Dainton, And you think to yourself, wow, if only I could have a haircut like that. Maybe then I'd be just as cool as Ben. Maybe then I will have made it. Maybe then I'd find contentment. You know, if only. You know, maybe you haven't found yourself thinking those if only statements about those photos. And some of them, trust me, I did really have to scroll a long way to find. But I'm sure that there's Instagram accounts, I'm sure that there's Facebook pages and maybe even vlogs of uh, the lives of YouTubers that you find yourself watching and you find yourself comparing your life to theirs. You find yourself caught in this trap of comparison. You know, you find yourself saying those if only statements. You find yourself comparing. You know, I found myself caught in the trap of comparison so many times. And I constantly feel discontent as I scroll through social media. You know, maybe you have also been caught up in those if-only statements that we think to ourselves. If only I had that job. If only I earned that much. If only I lived in that house or owned that car. Maybe if only I had a boyfriend or if only I was married. Maybe you're thinking, if only I had kids, or maybe you're thinking, if only I had better behaved kids. You know, maybe you've caught yourself comparing the life stage that you're at with where you thought you would be at this stage in your life. You've caught yourself thinking that maybe, you know, you thought you would have made that big trip overseas by now or gotten that promotion. You know, maybe you thought you would have been married by now or more successful by this stage of life. 
Maybe you are sitting here wishing to have a family and yet it seems like everyone else is getting the thing that you want. It seems like the rest of the world is having a giant gender reveal party, but if you're honest, if you were to cut a cake open, it would be green with envy. You know, I know I'm not the only one that has found myself saying some of those if-only statements. You know, I believe that comparison cuts off our contentment. And the if-only statements are just a vicious cycle. We think the grass is always greener on the other side, but the truth is none of these things that we are longing for are the secret to our contentment. We drive down the street or we check social media and we find ourselves comparing our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reels. You know, we're caught comparing their best of the best to our worst of the worst. When we get caught in the trap of comparison, we believe that the grass is always greener on the other side. We believe that if we only get that car, that house, that job, that holiday, or have that relationship or get that promotion, that things will be great, that you will be content. But can I tell you tonight, I don't believe that to be true. Reaching the next thing is never going to bring contentment. It's never going to bring a state of peace and deep satisfaction, whatever your circumstances. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. A heart at peace, a content heart, gives life to the body. But envy and comparison, they rot the bones. You know, as we finish our Life Hack series tonight, we're focusing on this idea of contentment, this virtue that seems so elusive and out of reach. And tonight, I want to point you to one of Paul's letters because I believe in it, he provides the secret to contentment. Contentment can be defined as a state of peace and deep satisfaction, whatever your circumstances. It is a quiet spirit that, rests, uh, that joyfully rests in God's providence. And it's something I think we would all want. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, shares with them what he has learned to be the secret to contentment. We're going to have a look at this passage in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. So if you've got your Bible with you, I encourage you to grab it out as we open up to this passage tonight. Or maybe you've got your Bible app on you or the words will come up behind me on the screen. But Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13 says this. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him through Christ, who gives me strength. You know, Philippians is one of Paul's letters that we can read in the New Testament. At the time Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. Now just think about that for a moment. A guy who's writing these words that he has learned the secret to, uh, to contentment was doing so while stuck in a prison cell. And Paul had helped establish the church of Philippi. And as we can read in uh, the book of Philippians, this letter, um, he was writing it for a really practical reason. You see, the, the people of Philippi were really grateful for uh, the help that they had received from Paul. So they sent a guy called Epaphroditus with a financial gift to give to Paul while he was in prison. 
And he, Paul, gave Epaphroditus this letter which we now know as the book of Philippians uh, to Epaphroditus to take back to the people of Philippi. It was a letter that he wrote for a number of different reasons. It was to say thank you and it was to do a whole lot more. Now, the design of this letter doesn't develop one single idea from beginning to end like a lot of Paul's other letters do. Rather, Paul has arranged a series of short reflective essays. You see, the second part of Philippians chapter 4, which is where we find ourselves tonight, uh, is this section is Paul's conclusion. As he did earlier in this letter, he thanks the Philippians for their sacrificial gift, and he wants them to know how his imprisonments, his times of poverty, are not hardships for him. They've actually become his greatest teachers, showing him that no matter his circumstances, he has learned the secret of contentment. And it is simple dependence on the one who strengthens him. Paul was the master of giving us a Christ-like perspective, and he had learned to be content because he had learned to trust. He trusted God and he knew no circumstance could ever arise that was too big or too much for his God. And Paul's experience of the trustworthiness of God can be ours today too. Paul didn't get down about his circumstances. He wasn't complaining or comparing his journey to anyone else's. He wasn't comparing his triumphs, his downfalls, his possessions or lack thereof to anyone else. Paul recognised that the key to contentment was Christ. You know, we are part of a world where the next big thing or the next new thing seems to be the thing that we want, but eventually it becomes the old thing and there's a new thing that we feel that we need. Whether it's that new car that, you know, you'd really love to have, that might be new now, but eventually it's going to be old and it's going to stop working. Or that new house you might really uh, have your eye on will eventually become old and outdated. In the world that we live in, the new thing eventually becomes the old thing. But with Jesus, it's different. With Jesus, we can read in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The things of this world will change, but Jesus won't. You see, in John chapter 6, we read that Jesus is the bread of life. In John 8, we learn that He is the light of the world. And in John 10, we read about how He is the good shepherd. In John 14, we read about how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that same Jesus, the one that we can draw strength from, He is the key to our contentment. You know, when we try and strive for the next thing, or when we try and find contentment in what the world has to offer, we are always going to be left empty-handed. Always. But when we recognise, like Paul did, that Christ is the key to contentment, and when we trust and fully rely on the strength of Jesus, then we too can find true contentment. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Contentment is not based around our circumstances. So often we think if we could change our circumstances, we would be happy. And contentment also doesn't mean ignoring problems or pretending that they don't exist. Instead, a contented spirit is one that realises the difficulty but can find strength in God in the midst of it. The secret of contentment is not found in what we have or do not have. The secret is found in Christ and Christ alone. Christ is the key to contentment. Now, some of you may be here and you've been following Jesus for a while, but you're still feeling discontent. I want to remind you tonight, as Paul said in that letter, contentment is something he learned. 
In Paul's letter, we can read that he learned the secret to contentment. It wasn't something that he just switched on one day. It was something he learned. You know, the Greek word for this is manthano, and it means to learn by use or practice or to acquire the habit. Paul had learned the secret of contentment in any and every situation. He learned by use or practice. He put into place habits that saw him find contentment. I wanna ask you this evening, what habits do you have in place currently that are helping you to find contentment through the strength of Jesus? And what habits do you have that are currently getting in the way of that? You know, I've personally been caught in the trap of comparison so many times. I believed the lie of the devil that if my if-only statement was to come true, that everything would be okay, that I would find true contentment. But what I have found is that the cycle only gets worse. You know, as a high school student, all I wanted to do was finish school and go to university. I was so excited to leave the school uniforms and the whole nine till three gig behind. And eventually it happened, I graduated high school and I went to university, but I realized that being at university was not the key to my contentment. You know, it might have felt better than school because I didn't have to turn up in a uniform, but all of a sudden when I was in university, all I wanted was to work full time. You know, the idea of a steady income, the idea of a weekly routine and not having to register for university subjects ever again was something that I really wanted. You know, I wanted to be in a place of full-time work. And eventually I got there. I'd finished uni, I got into work, but I realised that being in a full-time job wasn't the key to my contentment either. You see, I thought back to my uni days and I realised that I just gave up three months of summer holidays a year. What was I thinking? You know, I started working full time, but I decided that's, I was in a role that I really didn't want to be in anymore and my eyes were on something else. You know, I thought that I would find true contentment by being a kid's pastor. All I wanted to do was be in full time ministry. And eventually that door opened and I stepped into it, but I really quickly realised that I'd just given up three months of summer holidays and 12 weeks of school holidays as a primary school teacher and I was feeling discontent all over again. <laughs> but what I realised was my contentment the key to it was never found in being a university student or working full time. The key to it was never found in being a pastor. Those things, my work, my uni, my study, they were never the keys to my contentment. But it's not just work and study that I've struggled with discontentment in. It's also been my relational life too. You know, when I was single, all I wanted to do was have a boyfriend. And then I got a boyfriend, all I wanted to do was be engaged. And then I got engaged and all I wanted was to be married. You know, this discontentment kept on rising up even though I thought I'd reached the green grass that I was looking at. Because the truth is, my relationship with Richo is not the key to contentment. Christ is. I'm never going to find contentment in a relationship or in my finances or in circumstances because those things are not the key to my contentment. Comparing my life wanting to reach the other side, the green side, the green grass, all of those things are not going to help me become content. And as I mentioned before, I truly believe that social media is only fueling the trap of comparison that is only making the void of discontentment bigger within us. You know, a couple of weeks ago, someone asked me the question. They asked me this, what are you consuming first thing in the morning each day? It was a question that truly challenged me because when I thought about it, as soon as my alarm went off in the morning, I'd usually turn it off and then continue on my phone, opening the apps to scroll. 
You see, I'd start my morning, I'd start my day by consuming the highlight reels of others' lives. I'd start my day by looking at the ads that media agencies are so specifically targeting at me. And I found myself, see, I found myself thinking that I needed things that I never knew existed the day before. You know, later in the day, I'd get to reading God's Word and spending time with Him, but it wasn't the first thing I was consuming in my day. Before I reached for Scripture, I was reaching for the socials to scroll. And since becoming aware of what I was first consuming, I've started to change my habits. You know, I set my alarm and I turn it off, but rather than opening up my phone to hop on the socials, I reach for my Bible and I read Scripture. I can't even explain the difference that this has made to start my day by consuming God's Word first, by dwelling on God's promises and His goodness. It sets me up to put my focus on Christ and to start my day uh, with my eyes on Him rather than getting caught in the trap of comparison at 6 a.m. in the morning. Comparison cuts off our contentment and like Paul learned, Christ is the key. I wanna ask you this evening, what does it look like to grab scripture before you grab your phone to scroll? What does it look like for you to set up boundaries around the things that get you caught in the comparison trap so that you can turn your focus to Christ? You know, maybe you're here tonight and you recognize the role that social media plays in fueling your comparison trap. You know, maybe tonight you need to decide to delete some of those apps that have just been getting in the way. Maybe you need to take a Sabbath from the socials. Pick a day a week where you're not going to turn on Facebook or Instagram or check social media. Maybe you just need to even choose an hour in your day where you're going to put the phone aside. If you have the uh, new Apple iOS update, there's a feature on that where you can set a time limit for how much time you want to spend on different apps each day. You know, you can put a time limit saying that I don't want to spend more than two hours a day on Facebook. And once those two hours is up, that app will be blocked for you. Now, I don't know about you, but when a company that makes billions of dollars from people using their products realizes that as a society, we have an issue for how much time we're spending on some of these apps, maybe we need to stop and listen. What habits do you need to personally put in place to help you with this? You know, I reckon the grass is always greener on the other side because we keep our eyes focused on everyone else's grass without caring for our own. Cultivating gratitude is so important. Actually thanking God and recognising what we do have will help us take care of the grass we have rather than checking out how green everyone else's is. You know, it's so easy to look at others and wish for what they have or what they have worked for. But comparison cuts off our contentment. And Christ is the key to contentment. So often we find ourselves filled with envy. We can often resent God's goodness in everyone else's life while ignoring his goodness in our own. What does it mean for you to enjoy what God has given you? instead of longing for what you do not have? What does it look like for you to cultivate gratitude? What does it look like for you to be thankful for what God has provided for you? How can you practise gratitude each day? You know, maybe for you, that means getting up in the morning and writing down 10 things you're thankful for. Maybe it's taking time on your lunch break just to pray to God and thank Him for a couple of different things He's done in that day. Or maybe for you, it's getting out into creation, getting outside and just thanking God aloud for His goodness in your life. What 
does it look like for you to cultivate gratitude, to cultivate a habit of gratitude? Paul learned the secret to contentment. He knew that the secret was found in the strength he had in Christ. He wasn't focused on the next big thing or his if-only statements. Instead, he praised God whatever his financial situations, whatever his relational situations, and whatever his circumstances. Because he had learned the true, that true contentment was found in Christ and not in those other things. Imagine being part of a community where we all raised each other up and celebrated each other while being truly grateful for all that God has given us. Imagine what it would be like if together we celebrated one another without feeling the need to compare ourselves. Imagine not being stuck in the cycle of comparison or being overwhelmed by worry or anxiety because you need to reach the next big thing. Imagine our community, our homes, our workplaces, our universities, in our friendship groups, if we each made a conscious decision to step in to the secret of contentment. If we stopped focusing on what we don't have and became grateful for what we do. If we, like Paul, became content whatever the circumstances. Not because we are living out of our own strength, but because we walk into each day with the strength of Christ. Paul had learned to be content because he had learned to trust. He trusted God and he knew that no circumstance could ever arise that was too much for his God. And the same is true for us today. There are not enough things on this earth to fill the spiritual void we have. There is a Christ-shaped void in each of us. There is no new car, no new job, no promotion, no house, no clothing size, and no number of followers that is ever going to fill that void. It's a Christ-shaped void that only Jesus can fill. When we fully trust Him and when we find strength in Him and Him alone, only then can we walk into contentment. Paul knew life before Jesus and he knew so well the transforming work of Christ. The same God that interrupted Paul on the road to Damascus is the same God who sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for Paul, for you, and for me and our sins. You see, sin separates us from God, but when we choose to put our trust in Jesus, we have access to the true source of contentment. We can rely on the strength of Jesus because of what the cross represents. Jesus died on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven so that we could live in eternity with God forever. And the best part is three days later, He rose again. But we don't have to wait till heaven to experience the strength of Jesus. We can experience it now. You know, maybe tonight you recognise that there's a Christ-shaped void in you. Maybe you've been living in the comparison trap and you recognise the discontentment within you. Maybe you've tried time and time again to find contentment in the things of this world and you keep trying to measure up, but you realise it's just not working. Tonight, I wanna tell you that Christ is the key to contentment. There is nothing in this world that could ever satisfy. The new things will always become the old things, but Jesus, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. You know, maybe you've never made the decision to follow Jesus before or maybe it's one you made and walked away from a little while ago. But tonight I wanna give you the opportunity to choose to follow Jesus. 
What I'm going to get you to do is I'm going to get everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. We're just going to take a moment right now. You know, if tonight, if you want to put your faith in Jesus, if you want to fill that Christ-shaped void in you, if you want to make the choice to follow Him, then I would love for you to raise your hand. If that's you, we'd love for you to raise your hand right now.
love your friends to come down and get around you as well. But if that's you, I wanna make a moment right now for you to take a step out of your seat and come down the front. Because I believe that God wants to set some people free tonight. I believe that there's some of us that are so focused on trying to live within this image that we think is what the world needs of us. But really it's God who needs us. He wants all of us. He wants to use us to be vessels of His glory. Not to mirror what the world's doing, but to show them a different picture of what it can look like to live for Christ. So if that's you, if you feel caught in the trap of comparison or you're painting your grass green, I'd love for you to come down the front as we sing this song. And our team would love to get around you and pray for you this evening. hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ or would like us to pray for you, please go to gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know.